It's 11 o'clock, I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. Health authorities are planning to impose mandatory COVID tests for all residents in buildings that have four unlinked coronavirus cases or more. This comes as a partial evacuation is ordered at a Kowloon Bay building where experts fear sewage pipes may have helped spread the virus. And Beijing announces sanctions on US officials deemed to have performed poorly on Hong Kong issues. Health officials say they plan to start ordering mandatory COVID tests for all residents at any building that has four or more unlinked coronavirus cases. This comes amid a growing scare at a housing estate in Kowloon Bay, where experts fear the virus may have been transmitted through sewage pipes. Wendy Wong reports. Eight residents at Block 6 of Richland Gardens have tested positive so far, and all of them live in Unit D on different floors. After an inspection, infectious disease expert Yun Kwok Yong says it's possible the virus could be spreading via sewage pipes. All the floor drains from either the bathroom or the toilet or the kitchen all drain into the sewage pipe. All residents of Unit D at the building have been ordered to evacuate. And mandatory tests will be imposed on residents at two other blocks in the same estate where have also been confirmed infections if the flats face the same direction as the COVID patients. Dr. Chuan Shukwan of the Center for Health Protection says officials now plan to impose mandatory tests at any building with four or more unlinked coronavirus cases. But she admits this is somewhat of an arbitrary figure that could go up or down depending on the overall situation. Actually, it's not scientific. I mean, based on the risk assessment, we feel that uh, maybe three or four in one building, that may signify something. But when the situation becomes more severe, maybe the threshold will change. The number of new COVID cases again reached triple digits, with authorities reporting 112 new cases for the day, with 50 more preliminary positives. The government has strongly condemned Britain after the Home Secretary, Priti Patel, met campaigners including exiled activist Nathan Law in London. A spokesman said the talks were a provocative act and criticised the fact that Ms Patel and Mr Law were photographed in front of British and SAL flags, despite the fact it was not an official delegation. Beijing says it's revoking visa exemptions for US diplomatic passport holders visiting Hong Kong and Macau and slapping reciprocal sanctions on unnamed US officials and politicians. The move follows Washington imposing financial sanctions and travel bans on more than a dozen Chinese officials. Priscilla Ung has details. Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Hua Chunying says Beijing's decision to cancel visa exemptions for U.S. diplomats visiting the SARs were a response to the U.S. using Hong Kong to seriously interfere in China's internal affairs. She told a press briefing that sanctions would also be imposed on U.S. officials, members of Congress and NGO personnel over their vile behavior on Hong Kong. She added that their immediate family members would also be affected, but did not give details about who or how many people would be affected or when the sanctions would start. The foreign ministry officials said China is urging the United States not to go further down this dangerous and mistaken path. On Monday, Washington froze the U.S. assets and barred any travel to the U.S. for 14 vice chairmen of the National People's Congress Standing Committee. The U.S. said that was for spearheading Hong Kong's new national security law, as well as for paving the way for the disqualification of elected legislators in the city. 
Beijing says two Canadians who have been held for two years in a case linked to Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou have been indicted and put on trial, but gave no details. Cecil Wong reports. Former diplomat Michael Kovrig and businessman Michael Spavor have been confined since December of 2018, days after Canada detained Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou, the daughter of the founder of the telecoms equipment giant. Asked about the Canadians at a daily briefing, Foreign Ministry spokesperson Hua Chunying said the two had been arrested, indicted and tried in what appeared to be the first public mention that they had been brought to court. Mainland prosecutors had announced earlier this year that Mr. Kovrig had been charged on suspicion of spying and Mr. Spavor on suspicion of spying for a foreign entity and illegally providing state secrets. Neither China nor Canada has released specifics about their cases. It's not publicly known where the two are being held or under what conditions, although Canada's ambassador to China testified to a House of Commons committee this week that they were robust. You're tuned to RGHK. The time is five minutes past 11. Police have re-arrested five people and charged them with rioting more than a year after they were first detained in connection with vandalism at an MTL station in Tunmen last October. Jimmy Choi reports. The force said three men and two women, aged between 15 and 33, have been charged with rioting and using facial coverings during a riot. Two of them were also charged with possessing items with the intent to destroy or damage property. The five are secondary school students, two university students, a real estate agent and a salesman. Chief Inspector Mo Siu Hei said about 100 protesters vandalized facilities at the Siuhan station and its adjacent light rail stop with hammers, metal bars and other hard objects on the night of October the 7th last year. He said the action led to around a million dollars in damage and posed a serious threat to people's safety. He said the five were among 10 people arrested by officers at the scene that night. The five were released unconditionally after refusing bail, but the officers said police continued their investigation and arrested them again after consulting the Department of Justice. He said the probe is still underway and did not rule out further arrests. The Security Secretary, John Lee, says people should not be fooled into believing there were any political considerations behind moves to freeze the bank accounts of crime suspects. Richard Pine has details. The statement on the Security Bureau website was published just days after former Democratic Party lawmaker Ted Hoy said that HSBC bank accounts belonging to him and his family members were frozen in light of his announcement that he was going into exile. A church later said its HSBC account and that of its pastor and his wife had also been frozen, with police subsequently announcing a fraud investigation linked to the church. Both HSBC and the police have come in for criticism over the freezing of accounts, but the Secretary for Security, John Lee, has defended their actions. He said accounts were frozen in order to protect the property of victims, or else criminals would be able to do whatever they wanted. The security chief said it was unfortunate that some people, for political reasons, had smeared this mechanism and that he needed to correct what he called misleading accusations. Mr. Lee said it is necessary, right, law-abiding and responsible for banks to freeze the assets of suspected criminals in accordance with anti-money laundering laws, adding that people should recognise and support the bank's efforts. He added that the actions of law enforcement agencies have nothing to do with suspects' political background. The Secretary for Security also explained that effective action against money laundering will safeguard Hong Kong's status and reputation as a financial hub. The LegCo Secretariat has apologised for an incident this morning where the national flag at LegCo Square was flown upside down by mistake for almost two hours. Jimmy Choi reports. 
The Lechko Secretariat said it put the flag up the right way again at 9.54 a.m. It said it will follow up on the matter seriously in accordance with its internal human resources mechanism. It also said it has already reviewed and improved flag raising procedures to prevent similar incidents from happening again. In October, the National People's Congress Standing Committee passed a series of amendments to the national flag and national emblem law, which will come into effect on January 1st. The revised law states that the national flag must not be discarded, hung upside down, stuck upside down, displayed or used in any other manner that undermines its dignity. The SL government has said it will soon introduce its own amendments to the national flag and national emblem ordinance to be in line with the national legislation. A former senior official who was jailed for misconduct is applying to the top court to overturn his conviction, even though he has already finished serving his prison term. Wendy Wong reports. Wilson Fong, a former Deputy Secretary for Economic Development and Labour, was jailed for nine months last September after failing to disclose a conflict of interest when he accepted $510,000 from Macau businesswoman Cheyenne Chen in 2004. She was also his mistress and he received money at a time when his office was dealing with applications for air traffic rights from companies that she owned. His lawyer told a three-judge Court of Appeal panel that the trial judge had erred in his ruling and had failed to explain why it was improper for Fong to receive the money. The lawyer also claimed there were new legal principles to consider regarding the offence of misconduct after the city's top court last year quashed former chief executive Donald Zhang's conviction on the same charge. But the judges rejected this, saying the two cases are different in nature. The vice president of the court, Wally Young, also explained the problem with Feng receiving the payment from his mistress. There is nothing wrong in giving money to girlfriends or wives, he said. You can give $510,000 or even $50 million, but adding up all the following incidents, that was improper, the judge added. Feng's lawyer also argued that there was no hard evidence to show that his client had been aware of the businesswoman's dealings with his office, a claim dismissed by the prosecutors. The judges have reserved the ruling until a later date. Researchers at the Chinese University say they've come up with a new way to obtain samples for COVID-19 tests that's just as accurate as existing methods, but more suitable for children and elderly people. Timmy Sung reports. The most common ways to collect samples for coronavirus tests are to throw saliva, nasal and throat swabs. But researchers at the Chinese University Faculty of Medicine say that they all have limitations. For example, they can be uncomfortable and children and the elderly can find it difficult to provide good saliva samples. They have come up with a new method that involves placing a paper strip inside the patient's nose and then applying pressure for around a minute. The paper absorbs fluid which can then be tested. They say it also reduces the risk of spreading the virus and is less likely to trigger a cough or sneeze. Professor Simon Lam from the university's Department of Pediatrics says they have tested the paper strips on around 40 coronavirus patients. It's better for them in terms of the comfort when compared with nasal pharyngeal swab. So it's a good balance between the two methods. So in terms of accuracy, it's comparable to the nasal pharyngeal swab. But in terms of uh, difficulty in administration, it's comparable more to the uh, deep throat saliva. So um, it's, uh, I mean, we could say in certain cases, it's the best of both worlds. The United States' outgoing top envoy to North Korea has said that Pyongyang squandered an opportunity to fundamentally reinvent its relationship with the U.S., 
Speaking in Seoul, Stephen Bagan said the North Koreans devoted themselves to the search for obstacles instead of seizing opportunities for engagement. He said that the negotiators hadn't been empowered to discuss key issues after two key summits between President Trump and Kim Jong-un. But he denied that a deal wasn't possible in future. Despite setbacks, disappointments and missed opportunities over the past two years, I believe no less today than the day I first took this responsibility that the vision of President Trump and Chairman Kim is possible and that we are not done. The European Commission has set out proposals designed to ease the worst effects of a rupture with Britain if the two sides fail to conclude a post-Brexit trade deal. Both sides say significant differences still remain. The current transition period ends in three weeks' time. The BBC's Nick Beek has more details. The European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen tweeted that the EU had to be prepared for all scenarios, even though talks were ongoing. The EU is proposing a six-month arrangement to keep flights operating and what it calls basic connectivity for hauliers so that goods can continue to flow. There's also a proposed regulation on fishing, which would mean both sides keep access to each other's waters for up to a year or until a deal had been done on future fishing arrangements. But the contingency plans would need to be agreed by London. France's data protection regulator has imposed record multi-million US dollar fines on Google and Amazon for violating French privacy rules. It said both companies had breached rules on the use of online trackers or cookies. From Paris, here's the BBC's Hugh Schofield. The placing of cookies on computers is permitted if there's informed consent by the computer user. But the French regulator found that this was not the case in dealings with Amazon and Google. It said the companies had placed advertising cookies automatically on computers without getting prior agreement and that the information they provided to users was inadequate. Both Amazon and Google have recently stopped the automatic placing of cookies, but the French regulator found that still there was not enough information available about how to refuse cookies. Both companies dispute the ruling and say they do their best to protect the privacy of users. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Health authorities are planning to impose mandatory COVID tests for all residents in buildings that have four unlinked coronavirus cases or more. This comes as a partial evacuation is ordered at a Kowloon Bay building where experts fear sewage pipes may have helped spread the virus. And Beijing announces sanctions on US officials deemed to have performed poorly on Hong Kong issues. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. Health authorities have announced that they're planning to impose mandatory testing for all residents in buildings that have four or more unlinked cases of COVID-19. Anna-Marie Evans asked RTHK's Wendy Wong, who covered the government's daily coronavirus briefing, how officials had come up with this threshold. Many reporters at the news briefing questioned whether this threshold is arbitrary. And Dr. Chuan Shukwan of the Center for Health Protection admitted that actually it is not scientific. She said, as the virus is already so widespread in our community, it's not unlikely that certain housing blocks or estates may report a few unlinked infections. But she said, having four cases in one building may signify something. That's why they decided to use this threshold. However, she admitted that the threshold may change if the overall coronavirus situation in Hong Kong becomes even more severe. So was there any update on the outbreak at Richland Gardens? 
Residents who live at Block 6 of Richland Gardens have been undergoing rapid tests for COVID-19. Latest results show one of them tested preliminary positive for the virus. The resident has been taken to hospital for further checks, and that resident also lives in Unit D. So some reporters asked if the government plans to make use of a new law to lock down the building, which an expert has described as an infected zone to prevent the spread of the virus. But some officials insisted that top priority now is to test all residents to know more about the situation. So Dr. Chuan said uh, that it might not be safe to lock down residents of Block 6 if the virus is being transmitted there because of environmental factors. And um, the Undersecretary for Health, Choi Tak-Yi, said the government can't set a single numerical parameter like how many cases would trigger a lockdown. He said it's just not as simple as that. And what about the latest COVID-19 figures? Authorities report 112 new coronavirus cases today. Uh, 102 are locally acquired cases, and officials are unable to trace the source of infection of more than 30 cases. Officials say the coronavirus situation in Hong Kong is still severe, as the proportion of unlinked infections has been rapidly increasing. Various clusters continue to expand, including seven more workers at a construction site for the Changkwano Lantin Tunnel. Um, the total number, number of people affected there has risen to eight. Another cluster is linked to a construction site at Lohas Park in Changkwano. It also reported five more cases. And five more cases are also reported at the Yata Department store in Sha Tin. And officials say there are more than 50 other people testing a preliminary positive for the virus. Health authorities have conducted thousands upon thousands of COVID-19 tests throughout the pandemic, but it's not always easy to get a good sample. Some methods, such as sticking swabs in a patient's throat or up their nose, aren't exactly comfortable. But getting children or elderly people to provide saliva samples from deep down in their throats can also be quite tricky. Now, researchers at the Chinese University say they've come up with a new way to obtain samples that's just as accurate as existing methods, but more comfortable for the patient. Professor Simon Lam from the University's Department of Paediatrics, who's part of the research team, told Benjer how it works. Basically, these are nasal strips, strips of paper, which we can place in the anterior nostrils and actually with some pressure for about one minute, it actually can absorb secretions from the nostrils and this can then be extracted for subsequent analyses. And we can do viral PCR tests and so on. And we found that actually this method is actually as sensitive as the current nasopharyngeal swab, throat swab method, but is more comfortable than this method usually for most people. And is this the first time that uh, researchers have actually come up with this particular method? other investigators, but they usually are looking at proteins such as cytokines, and it's never mm. really been used for direct PCR testing for viruses. So this is the first time someone's actually uh, tested with this sort of methodology for uh, sampling methodology for uh, at least coronavirus. And, and can people right. collect samples by themselves, or do they require a professional to administer the test? Right, so basically, uh, unlike the nasopharyngeal swab, this can be self-administered by most adults and also uh, children as young as, say, six years of age. For those about three to six, our experience is that they're unable to do it by themselves and we need, you would usually need adult supervision or assistance. But for like even a six, seven, 
sounds like um, this method is actually uh, more beneficial in terms of comfort and whatnot, but um, are there any limitations? Yeah, certainly. So um, I think one issue, obviously, is um, for those who are very afraid, for example, they've actually had swabs before and they're afraid of people putting things in their nostrils, especially children, they won't mm. be convinced by you just telling them that it's uh, more comfortable. So uh, in that case, it actually does become challenging because we need to have the strip in for, you know, about one minute. Mm. So they need to stay still for a minute while the fluids absorb into the strip. So whereas in a nasal pharyngeal swab, technically you can actually do it within a few rotations of the swab. So it's a much quicker method. But the only problem is that you might actually have to hold the person down, especially mm. children, if you want to do it that way. So with a nasal strip, if they're not cooperative, it could become challenging as well. And, and when do you think this new um, method can actually be put to wider use? Right. So I think the um, main thing is that at the moment, what we found is that it's actually quite useful for certain populations. So for like six-year-olds, 10-year-olds, actually, for even for these age groups, deep throat saliva isn't actually a great method because the sensitivity is relatively low. And so um, for these patients in particular, using a nasal strip, if they're able to self-administer, it's much more comfortable for them. So in, in our inpatients, been using it in a research capacity to do serial measurements for viral samples, and we found actually the acceptance and the accuracy is very good. Uh, now, this method, because it's self-administered, it does have potential for wider use, and because for nasal pharyngeal swabs, it's going to be very difficult for you to send these swabs out for widespread community-based, unsupervised, self-administered tests, right? But then for this nasal strip, it's relatively easier. It's a little bit more challenging than just doing a deep throat saliva. I mean, in terms of having to put something in your nostrils for one minute. But, you know, for those who aren't able to do the correct technique for deep throat saliva, it's actually an alternative. So at the moment, I think it would be useful for special populations. But in future, um, with more data, I mean, it would be irresponsible for us to say that this is going to be superior with the number of samples that we currently have and obviously much more data is required before we can determine you know widespread community-based false negative false positive rates and then make more scientifically based recommendations the united states has recorded more than 3,000 deaths from the coronavirus in the past 24 hours the highest total for any country so far in a single day new cases are continuing to surge in the u.s and hospitals in parts of the country are filling up. The BBC's Reagan Morris has been speaking to nurses across the country. Outside a hospital in Los Angeles, nurses demand respect. I tell you, there is something seriously wrong when nurses have to take to the streets to beg for protection in the middle of a pandemic. Nearly a year into this pandemic and nurses across the U.S. say they still do not have adequate PPE to protect themselves from coronavirus. We need proper PPE. We need to ensure we have proper testing, not only for the staff members, but also for the patient's family members that are coming in. They want the Trump administration to invoke the Defense Production Act to start producing more N95 masks and surgical gowns. Mary Turner is president of the Minnesota Nurses Association. These masks are meant for a single use. I know of nurses that have had their masks literally degrade and fall off their faces. 
thus obviously not offering any protection. This kind of thing puts healthcare workers and patients at constant risk of exposure to COVID-19. As a result, nurses are getting sick at a time when we are needed the most. Hey, Reagan. Hey, how are you? <sighs> I'm okay, not too good. I just, just found out I got COVID like an hour ago. Cherie Antoinette is a travel nurse based in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, definitely got it in Miami because it was horrible PPE. Cherie is young and healthy. She survived COVID and was back at work within a few weeks. As a travel nurse, she can make a lot of money heading into COVID hotspots. But she says all nurses deserve more pay during COVID and that they all need better protections at work. It's a measure of national security because this is a war. We're at war with a deadly, deadly virus. It is not something simple. I'm tired of seeing people gas from air because they can't breathe. I don't think anyone is listening to any medical professional. What they're doing is surrounding themselves with yes men and people who will tell them that what they're doing is right because they want to uphold their delusions. But people are dying. They're dying because a disease that was not contained took them out. And my son, I have them virtually learning his school, already 74 people in quarantine because they wanted to play football. You know, the only reason why we as a species has survived as long as we have is because you have to change. You have to adapt. And um, we can't do that with just trying to live our lives like it was before COVID. We've seen now COVID overwhelmingly disproportionately affects black and brown patients. The numbers are higher for catching it and the outcome is worse. What has that been like for you? It's really heartbreaking to see. It's almost like seeing the same patient over and over again. And I'm the type of person, I, I don't get numb and I don't get desensitized. It impacts me deeply and profoundly. And it hurts to see that it's affecting lower income and people of color. I don't know how much longer we are going to be able to hold this. We need everyone to wear a mask. It has to happen. Consuelo Vargas is a nurse in Chicago. You know, the last week, I reached a point where I was numb. I didn't feel tired. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel angry. I didn't feel frustrated. And I didn't feel sad. I literally felt nothing. And that is a scary place for a nurse to be. And I see it on my coworkers' faces. They're so tired of fighting that they don't have that much more to give. We need leadership. We need leadership in the hospitals. We need leadership in the government. We need transparency. And we need everyone to listen to the nurses. The US presidential election is over, but it seems President-elect Joe Biden's son, Hunter, a regular target of Republican attacks during the election campaign, is going to stay in the news. Hunter Biden has confirmed he's under investigation for potential tax violations. The BBC's Nomia Iqbal has details. Uh, so these are prosecutors from Delaware, which is Joe Biden's home state. And as you mentioned there, Hunter Biden's been a focus of attack for the Republicans and Donald Trump throughout the campaign trail. They've been trying to paint Mr. Biden's son as corrupt, but there's never really been any evidence to back 
any of these claims. Having said that, the tax investigation is not entirely surprising because there had been hints that this was going to happen even back in 2018. We understand that investigators are looking into whether Hunter Biden and his associates violated tax and money laundering laws in business dealings in in foreign countries, mainly in China. Hunter Biden has released a statement and in it he says he acted legally and appropriately. At the moment, they are political. And of course, this this is coming five days before the Electoral College formally declares Joe Biden the winner of the election. I think we've still got to see how those two crucial Senate races turn out in January in Georgia. So if the Republicans maintain control of the Senate, I think we can uh, safely say there'll definitely be hearings into Hunter Biden's finances. And then if there are any charges, that means it will go from being political to legal, which will, of course, be a huge headache for Joe Biden as he enters the White House. What's really interesting, though, is that the U.S. attorney behind the investigation is a veteran prosecutor. And even though he was appointed by Donald Trump, he's also worked under the Obama administration as well. So I think it's going to be very hard for Trump's critics to say that he's just trying to get some sort of revenge and make life harder for Joe Biden when he becomes president. A real taste of things to come. And it's, you know, certainly when it comes to Hunter Biden, who is his troubled son, he's, you know, tumultuous life has very much played out in public. He's long lived in the shadow of his older brother, Beau Biden, who died in 2015. A real kind of golden child for Joe Biden. And, you know, Joe Biden was targeted by Trump and his allies when he was a candidate. We can expect that to be ramped up when he's actually the president. But I think Joe Biden is aware of this scrutiny. He gave an interview last week to an American network and he basically said that he wouldn't influence decisions by the Justice Department, which is in contrast to Donald Trump, who's been accused of trying to do that. He said it's the People's Justice Department. And he also went on to say that the department will have independent capacity to decide who gets prosecuted and who doesn't. But yes, I I think this is a real sign that, you know, Joe Biden is going to get even more attention once he's in the White House, and especially when you've got a president, uh, President Trump, who still refuses to acknowledge his, his defeat in the election. Those stories were part of the Newsrup programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Amid the epidemic, thanks to all for being self-disciplined to protect yourselves and others. Thanks for keeping up personal and environmental hygiene and contributing to fighting the virus. We must take further steps. Keep track of your whereabouts. If you are sick, don't go to work or school. See the doctor and get tested promptly. We will prevail over the epidemic. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. Fight the virus. Stay vigilant. Radio 3 Weather. Well, look at the weather forecast for tonight and tomorrow. Mainly cloudy. One or two light rain patches in the morning and at night. Bright periods during the day. Temperatures are going to range between 19 and 24 degrees. And the winds will be moderate northeasterlies. The outlook... Milder during the day in the following couple of days with one or two rain patches in the morning and at night. Then temperatures will drop significantly during the day next Monday. Rather cool mornings on Tuesday and Wednesday. Currently the air quality health index here in Hong Kong is moderate with readings of 4 and 6 at the observatory. Air temperature is 21 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity stands at 81%. Simon Wilson with you in the hot seat, sitting in for Uncle Ray, the world's most durable DJ, playing assorted ballads and easy listening through till one. 
something you'd like to hear, 233-88-266 is the number. The changing of sunlight to moonlight Reflections of my life Oh, how they fill my Changing 